0: everybody. Welcome back to Shadow Particles, a His Dark Materials companion podcast. I'm Evan Minto, and with me today is a returning guest, Natasha Illegines on Twitter. Welcome back.
1: Hello, hello. It's nice to be back <laughs> again.
0: And what an episode you are back for. We're here to talk about episode five of season two of His Dark Materials, an episode full of Mrs. Coulter content.
1: (laughs) Yes, there's, there's quite a bit.
0: First up, The House Rules. No show spoilers. We are both fans of the books, but we will be keeping it spoiler free for folks. And we're recapping the U.S. release on HBO, not the week earlier U.K. release. My three intro questions for every guest, you've answered two of these already. First up, what's your familiarity with His Dark Materials?
1: Super big fan. Used to read the books pretty much every year growing up. Um, haven't read them since college, but um, just, yeah, love love the series. It's probably one of my favorite fantasy series of all time, actually.
0: And I did talk to you in, uh, I forget what episode it was, one of the episodes of season one, uh, so I haven't checked in with you since that episode. So what'd you think of the whole season once we wrapped it all up?
1: I thought it was great. Um, I think it was a little clinical. It was, it, it felt like a lot of it was, um, like particularly extraction, incision, removal, updating of scenes and, and playing them out in a specific order. Uh, but yep. if, yep. if you're a book fan, it's fantastic. If, you're someone who's completely new to the series, it could feel a little too cold to the touch. So Yeah,
0: I totally yeah. agree. Clinical is a good word for it. It was like kind of going down the list, getting stuff done. It had a few standout moments, but like it, this season really highlights what was missing in the first one because this has it.
1: Yes, yes. There's a lot more character focus and interaction in season two, which um, is not only necessary, but very welcome. These are characters you want to get to know. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's your demon?
1: I think my answer from season one was a swallow, and I think my answer from season two will still be a swallow.
0: Uh, that's that's good. It might be a little weird if it's changing this late <laughs> into your life.
1: Yeah, right? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a kid, so.
0: <laughs> and with that, let's get into the episode discussion. I'll start with my summary of episode five, The Scholar, which of course has quite a lot of Mary Malone content, as the name would imply. Lyra and Will put a plan into action to steal back the alethiometer from Lord Boreal, and this kind of central conflict takes up most of the episode. Boreal brings Mrs. Coulter into Will's world, where she meets with Mary to find out more about Lyra's whereabouts and gets a kind of interesting culture shock of meeting this, uh, this scientist from another world. Mary gets a final message from the angel or angels that are mysteriously talking to her through the cave and leaves to go through a window, as we see at the very end of the episode, into Chittagatsi. Very big deal for Mary. In the climax, Lyra and Will uh, do get into Boreal's house and face off against Mrs. Coulter and Lord Boreal and escape through a window with the alethiometer. And we have a little bit of like kind of extra content outside of this where uh, in the Magisterium, Cardinal Macphail consolidates his new power by arresting, I think his name is Father Garrett, the guy who opposed him for the cardinalship in previous episodes. Oof. So really, this is an episode about sneaking into Boreal's house. Like that is really the the focus here.
1: Yes, it's 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 a heist episode.
0: But oh, uh, amazing, <laughs> yeah. It's I I so uh, what's your overall thoughts, Natasha? Uh,
1: I loved it. Um, I I am a big fan of Miss Coulter, and there was a lot of Miss Coulter in this episode. So um, I I felt like it pretty much gave me a lot that I've been I've been wanting to see. How about you?
0: Yeah. Uh, I was also really happy with the Mrs. Coulter stuff, and it's it's a great combination of different aspects of her character. We get her being very vulnerable and getting used to this new world and kind of raging at it in some ways, or ra- raging at her old old world in a lot of ways. But then we also get her incredibly dangerous and scary at the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's definitely inter- like, you know, for, for all of our jokes about the heist uh, part of it, mm-hmm. it, it is interesting how it transitions at first into like, oh, this is how we want to plan to infiltrate uh, Borgel's house and then completely escalates into something else.
0: The plan does not go as anticipated. <laughs> that's for sure.
1: It's you know, uh,
0: for one thing, they don't know Mrs. Coulter is going to be there, which throws a pretty big wrench in the works.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when two kids are trying to plan to steal from mm-hmm. a very um, rich and smart priest, uh, it I can't imagine that ever going well, and it, it definitely does not.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my. My original issue with the episode is the first half or so, especially while they're planning the heist, is it has some of the dialogue problems that sometimes crop up in this show where it's kind of on the nose and like the characters aren't really doing much, you know, thematic or character work. They're just being like... That this is what is going to happen in the plot. They have like a, a kind of bad exchange where Lyra goes, or like Will goes, and then we're going to steal the alethiometer together. <laughs> and Lyra's like, yes, we are. <laughs> My friend said, like, they just said, we're the protagonists of the story <laughs> to the camera.
1: Yeah, it, I think this is definitely a trap the show falls into where um, it, it feels like sometimes it's checking off a list. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to do X, Y, and Z. And conveniently we're going to go to the places where we can do X, Y, and Z. And then we do X, right. Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, like I, I get what you're trying to do. And I appreciate that you're also giving us more time with Will and Lyra, because that is important. Um, but it it There's not really a sense of gravity or or weight to those scenes. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's particularly a sign of acting or direction as it is just the script, as you mentioned. Um, It's the script, Yeah. It feels, yeah, it just feels very, like, straight, too straightforward, right? Um, In a show where there's so much magic to be found in in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with you on that.
0: But it's like night and day when we hit the second half of the episode where... Especially when it kind of stops getting in the like when the dialogue stops getting in the way of the plot and we start to get stuff that's like showing and not telling, like in that final confrontation with Boreal and Mrs. Coulter, there's all sorts of really good just like characterization and stuff that's established visually and through the kind of staging of these characters. And that stuff is fantastic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I think there's something to be said about how the show really shines when you have characters playing off of each other, as opposed to just mm-hmm. following the motions of a, of a particular uh, plot point. Right. Um, like, yep. and I think a lot of that is found in the second half Where, if you really were to sum it up, like in, in like a couple of words, yeah, like probably a, what, two or three sentences, things or things happened. Um, but there's just a lot more that actually goes on in terms of exploring character depth and people's you know, thoughts and beliefs on, on certain perspectives of, or, or ways of approaching life. Uh, which, which is really kind of what you know, his dark materials is about, isn't it? It's, it's kind of like how how are people living their lives with with the knowledge they do or do not have and want to have. Uh, and yeah, I think I think that's why the second half works really well.
0: So we we keep talking about her. Let's start here by focusing on the star of the episode, Mrs. Coulter who steps into another world for the first time. She's been kind of, kind of yeah. uh, waiting to do this the whole season. It's clear that, you know, from, from that very first episode that like the rest of the magisterium is like, Oh, another world. And she's like, let me in. Let me do it. <laughs> Put me in coach. Let
1: me in. Um, yeah. It's
0: especially once she, once she knows Lyra is there, she's like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to find a way.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's it's surprising, isn't it like she goes there and then she is met with incredible
0: disappointment. Um, and yeah, and she's and this this great theme that is not in the book at all. I think there's a bunch of stuff in this episode that's totally new and very good. And there's this running theme of her realizing. That it's like she she knows she's been held back in her world because she's a woman and it's a very patriarchal society. But what she sees for the first time is there's an alternate universe in which, I mean, there's still a lot of sexism, but compared to her world, the, the constraints are much less. And she's seeing what she could have been with her ambition and her kind of personal, her intelligence and her, her magnetism and all of that in this world.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think this, this is a really, this kind of sets up the, the whole back and forth uh, friction between Boreal and, and Miss Coulter's perspectives, right? Uh, the, the first thing we notice is that Boreal kind of looks down upon this society he sees that it's very self-indulgent. It's complacent. Faith does not have, you know, a prominent meaning in most people's <laughs> lives here.
0: It's kind of uh, that's kind of funny you mentioned that considering the two of them are probably seem to be some of the least faithful people <laughs> in the magisterium,
1: right? He's just like, oh, everyone's <laughs> like, it's like a very like Mr. Robot kind of like cynical message about society. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, like everyone's like. You know, bought in consumerism. Like no one actively like seems to be ambitious or self aware. Uh, and then like Miss Coulter is just like looking on the other side of the window, and she just sees this family being able to take care of you know their child. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can easily see that despite being in the same world, they are really actively in two very different worlds or or ways of perceiving uh, this this alternate reality.
0: Yeah, and she especially gets it when she meets Mary Malone, completely added to the show, which is like a great contrast. I was kind of unsure about it. I was like, because they added another scene that was not in the book, right? That's like uh, where she met with Lee. And it's kind of like, okay, so they're adding her meeting these characters that she doesn't interact with in the book. And so far, they've been actually really good. And in this case, it, it's a great contrast of, of the exact contrast that I talked about on the podcast in previous episodes that they now put in the text itself instead of just having it kind of like in the, the subtext, which is that Mary is the good version of all of these bad adults <laughs> from Lyra's world. She's, a, you know, a scientist who... Oh, this is part of it. There's a couple different themes, right? Like part of it is she's a scientist who, you know, is successful and is studying the same stuff, but she's kind to Lyra. She is, like, understanding, right? And she it has all these virtues that Mrs. Coulter doesn't have that allow her to, in some ways, be, like, a better mother figure to Lyra than her own actual mother.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah.
0: And on top of that, she's able to have all of this success that Mrs. Coulter can't have despite all of the things she has going for her in her world. Yeah, She's a published, you know, scientist with a doctorate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I think this is a good point, and and it's actually something I didn't know until you pointed it out to me, Evan. Uh, is that this this particular episode was written by a woman, um, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's really important considering how much of this is Miss Culture focused, but also how much of this episode really kind of. Hones in on the concept of of woman in society, um, and yep. and how that continuously plays into like Coulter's own perception of herself, her own frustrations toward society, and and this kind of continuous theme of betrayal that surrounds Coulter. Um, and
0: there's there's kind of a like a bit of an implication that they added to the story that I I like that, not that it's deterministic or anything that that she'd turn out this way, but that. Her evil is in some ways a response to being like a woman, again, with all of this kind of personal power who can't exert it in her society, right? Or or can, but in like a limited way Mm -hmm. because of how sexist it is. And so it's kind of like all of that just gets bottled up into this rage and turns her into like an evil person. (laughs) Whereas maybe if she were more free to do it from when to to do what she wanted from when she was younger, maybe she wouldn't have turned out like that, right?
1: Yeah. And and I'm not sure how much of this is as focused in the books. I do feel like there is some creative liberty taken here in terms of fleshing Mm -hmm. out Miss Coulter by adding these scenes, but um, a lot of the way Miss Coulter has been explored in the show has has been intimately tied or rooted to the concept of being a woman, as a mother, as you know, a woman with ambitions in a society that doesn't allow for a mm-hmm. woman to have ambitions in in being separated from a partner and and being kind of ripped apart from really the idea of a high status woman, someone who could be appreciated and recognized in society, right? And um, th- that context is definitely there in the books, but I feel like it's, it's very continuously pointed out in, in the show. Um, And I think her exchange with Malone highlights this like for for starters, like I really appreciate that the show doesn't like have them at each other's throats. That's such a Mm -hmm. hackneyed way of approaching this kind of writing. And I'm glad that we don't we don't do that in, in, in the show. Um, but I think one thing that I really admire or really appreciate as a, as a delicate touch of writing is that uh, both Malone and, and Coulter are able to appreciate Lyra from different perspectives and different goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you kind of mentioned, when Coulter kind of walks away from this conversation, she's not jealous. She's not like happy or sad. She's She's like shocked. She's anguished by the fact that in an alternate world, there is the very strong possibility that a woman is allowed to uh, make her own publications, be recognized for her achievements, and live an independent life without feeling caged by by society, by the men uh, constantly playing. Uh, you know, playing a role in, in her life, whether she wants to or not.
0: Um, and she's also faced with like, not just, not just the personal stuff, but she's faced with like her relationship with Lyra as seen through Mary. And well, I love the line where Mary says, she's talking about like, yeah, she knows so much about physics. It's, and she says, you must be so proud of her. And it's like does not compute. What what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, and the thing
1: is, like, she is right. Like, and, and and I think like that
0: kind of goes. I think I think she's not in a sense. Like, I think there's. I think she could be. I think she's she could be capable of that kind of pride in Lyra. But I think it's like an emotion she's never considered I, to have toward her daughter. She wants her because she's hers.
1: I see. That's that's see. That's where I kind of I would disagree. But like, it's in a very. I think I disagree in a perspective of. I think she is proud of Lyra. She's amazed that Lyra is capable of all these things. She knows that Lyra is special. And the fact that she's able to, you know, go to these people, ask about Dusk, do these things, does in some way impress her. Uh, Not in like an endearing, oh, like, that's my daughter, go her. Uh, But more of like, "This, this is a daughter, this is someone I love in a very twisted way. And there's like an affirmation here of like, if I was capable of doing really ambitious, amazing things, so is my daughter. Like, she's clearly able mm. like capable of doing this and uh i think she is proud of that in an aspect in a very twisted aspect in the same way like miss Coulter does love lyra in a very twisted aspect but right. all all of her her way of loving is is through the idea of control right and once again the show kind of does a lot more of a be- does a better job of Reflecting that it's 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 very heavily insinuated that Miss Coulter's self control and means of control as a way of expressing affection or or power is because she herself is a product of those very unhealthy methods.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, a classic like abuser story, right? Someone who was abused and then then turns that on other people.
1: Yes, and I think this is also highlighted not in this episode, but. Um, the the exchange she has with um yes with lee right when when he very much confronts her and he's like hey like i'm not afraid of this because it's happened to me and it's happened to you uh and
0: i i also there's so many good parallels here to make with with you know her kind of developing relationship with lyra Mm -hmm. one of them is with the lee conversation I, i think there's a theme showing up here of her being exposed to these surrogate parent figures in Lyra's life, who she explicitly references at the end of this episode. She says, like, I I want to be like Ma Costa or Lee Scoresby. Right, right, right. And the fact that the way they feel about Lyra is, is uh, like, I still think there is something about this kind of, like, sense of, it's not the kind of pride that Mary has that she feels, right? Yes. And she keeps getting exposed to the way they talk about Lyra, and it's like she doesn't talk about her that way. She never says, like you know, I'm proud of everything she's done or anything. She's just like, she's my daughter and I, I need to protect her. Right. Yeah. And like, but, but Lee says, you know, she's worth 10 of me. And Mm -hmm. then Mary is like, you must be so proud of her. She's so intelligent. And it's like this way of thinking about Lyra that is kind of foreign to Coulter. And she keeps being exposed to these people who are like kind of being good parents to Lyra. (laughs)
1: Well I think and I, I think that's that's very purposeful right um, yeah I, I think it is instigating a change in in culture right uh, she's becoming more increasingly aware that what she is right now may not be good for Lyra but it may be in her in her perspective it is necessary to do um but I do think it it's very clear that she, a strong part of her recognizes this. And I think the way that it's, it's shown... She's
0: kind of getting there. She's starting to understand it. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. And I, I think nothing highlights this more than the, the very... Uh, brutal attack! Lyra instigates oh my God. on this culture.
0: Oh, this is the best part of the episode. Right? It's- <laughs> I, was, I was freaking out.
1: <laughs> For starters, like I, it's ob- it's an obvious parallel to season one. Um,
0: yep, yep. It literally, like the way it's framed and everything, the way that Lyra is is kind of not moving very much and just looking down at her. Yes. While Pan turns into a wolverine and attacks the monkey.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Right. And
0: oh, oh. it's,
1: it's, it's brutal. Like, I mean, it's not like a five second attack. They, they no. they're like on this for quite a bit. Um, but I think what's really interesting is, is the, not only the parallel, but the swap of positions. And so I yep. think it's like worth pointing out that, you know, in, in season one, when Lyra was attacked by Miss Coulter, she was act, actually powerless. Like she couldn't do anything. She was struck by surprise and couldn't combat mm-hmm. back. back. Uh, Pan was in, I believe like a, a mouse form or,
0: uh, um, I think he switched a few times during the fight. Yeah. Yeah, he
1: was he was clearly struggling to just run because that that is Lyra's instinct. She's not like a a, a combative person in terms of, you know, like physical fights. She doesn't she doesn't right. want to actually she hurt. She
0: prefers people. to lie or sneak away or something. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Um in this Season when Miss Coulter is being attacked by Lyra, she restrains herself from attacking. Like I think that's a very very strong distinction. She takes that attack on purpose, and throughout the show, there has been a slight theme or or kind of insinuation that much of Miss Coulter's behavior toward herself is out of self loathing. Uh, The way she treats her demon, the way. She doesn't tolerate uh, losing or, or is a perfectionist. Um, and I think this is like an additional aspect of that. Uh, but also in the sense of like, she kind of deserves this. She feels like she partly deserves this. Uh, mm. And I think part of that ties back to all of these these exchanges she's had with these people who have played a good role in, in mentoring Lyra and, and love her dearly. And she's starting to kind of crumble and fall apart and, and see that maybe she's not, she's not, she isn't the perfect mother, even though she wants to be.
0: Something that occurred to me in talking about her relationship as a mother here, and we're talking about this a lot, but it, it's, it's all very good meaty <laughs> content is and this is in the book too how much there's a there's kind of this this like a chain of people chasing after each other in their completely messed up family where Lyra was like seeking approval from Azriel who then you know I think it was very clear in the last episode of season 1 does feel a love for Lyra that he is like vehemently suppressing because yes. it's like not useful <laughs> for him to to feel that And then he just goes off and Lyra hates him now, right? But she's chasing after kind of like in his footsteps. And then meanwhile, Mrs. Coulter is chasing after Lyra, who hates her, right? It's just like (laughs) nobody is matching up. What
1: a wonderful family. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely delightful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just I mean, that's that's one of the best parts about this series that I think sticks out to a lot of people is so much fantasy kind of has this idea, you know, a lot of like high fantasy and stuff that you're your parents or your your family is like they're great you know they you have some legacy or something and like yeah this is a story about how your parents are pretty bad <laughs> and you got to kind of like make your own life
1: right and I like it's it's great that Lyra is I think the greatest irony is like Lyra is obviously trying to take steps to do this and mm-hmm. but I think the biggest irony speaking of this parallel is like she's like oh I'm nothing like you and it's like mm-hmm. girl you are though like you you are literally doing the same thing miss culture is doing because you want
0: but she's also kind of like she is the best of she's these two bad people put together to form something good yes right exactly
1: right she is the she's the best version of both of these people um right and i i think that's like on one hand that's that's great because lyra needs to be somewhat like you know rootable like you need a root for this girl she's she clearly mm-hmm. gives a damn and, and cares, and but has the wits of her mother and the, the stubbornness of her father to, you know, really pursue what she wants in life. Um, but on the other hand, it, it is kind of tragic, right? You have a father who is too set on ambition to, to really try and, and take his daughter under his wing. And then you have this this mother who who has very specific ideas of this is a daughter I want to be with and love and cherish, but
0: but she's gonna smother her. She will smother her and, and entrap yeah. her,
1: right? And right. Um, I think it's. I think this is also very unique for the show to focus on the concept of daughter and motherhood. We often see a lot of Mm -hmm. shows focus on father and son and brotherhood, and and which
0: is which is in here too. Which like I mean, it it is a story about parents, right? Yes, like about fathers and mothers and daughters and sons, right? You obviously have the parallel of Will and his mother and father. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, but I think there is there's a lot of focus in this show specifically towards Miss Coulter and Lyra's relationship because. Mm -hmm. It, there's always been, and it's not even rooted in religious meaning as much as just historical. Um, there is something intimate about a mother and and her child. That's that's always been explored in, in a historical background. Uh, and I do think that there is some thematic meat going on in here. I'm not entirely sure if they're going to really bring anything to a like particular light. But it's, it is worth saying that the... The thing, the closest tie that one can have in this universe is a tie between a demon and, and, and their and their their person, right? It's that is the mm-hmm. deepest tie you have. Um, but th- th- the second deepest thing is is this is the concept of a blood tie, right? You see, Will have mm-hmm. this very deep relationship with his mother. Um, and and whether Wyra admits to it or not, she has these the very deep ties to her mother and father. Um, but in specifically in the example of Miss Coulter, it's it's kind of examined through the fractured concept of, of betrayal. There's there's betrayal in every aspect of Miss Coulter's like life, uh, and it, it is astonishing or most striking when when the biggest form of betrayal is portrayed in the form of a child daughter or mother daughter mm-hmm. demon fight. Like I think that adds a lot of weight to that concept. Right? There's that intimacy that that weight of something I gave birth to is actively right. denying me. Um, and I think it, the show does a really good job of kind of tying those two bonds together, those two those two parallels. Um, I'm not sure yeah, if it's intentional, sure. but like it, it feels intentional.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to talk about the part of the, that scene that really got me is that there's kind of a Chekhov's gun of Mrs. Coulter's ability to separate that gets revealed in this episode. You previously kind of assumed that it's like witches' demons or something where like the monkey can separate just because, you know, she just has some power to do it. And it's revealed here that like, it doesn't seem like she's got uh, any kind of magical power. She just shuts out her soul and says like like he wants to come with her and she's like no you can't come with me you're gonna stay here and i'm just gonna pretend that i don't have you yeah yeah (laughs) which is like really brutal
1: (laughs) it's like it's kind of weird right because it's back and forth like this is the first season i think we've actually seen colton reach out and like have a relationship with her demon Mm -hmm. before like she like slapped him she would like shut the door on him she would tell him what to do um, like this is the first time like he has a seatbelt on. I think that's super
0: cute. Uh, he's kind of cute, and this is really bad. <laughs> like I don't like feeling any sympathy for the golden monkey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's just like sitting in the back of the car. Right. Like, you know, he even holds her hand, I think, at one point in, in the previous episode of, of the show. Um, and then like in this episode, she's just like she's like, no, you're not coming. Right. Like, this this ain't happening. I I do think it's also very interesting. That's a very specific context of meeting um, Mary. Right.
0: Yeah. It's, it's possible that that's related. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of it as like, well, she can't walk around with a monkey. You know, it's like a pretty conspicuous. Oh, that's true, true. too. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> like,
0: Boreal can get away with having, uh, I forget her name, but his his demon like Snape. in his jacket.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. But I mean, she could walk take him in the car or something. I don't know. Uh, but
0: I guess, yeah, because they can separate. But I get, I, I think it worked. Theme, kind of thematically or dramatically to to have it be like she leaves him at the house mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's what makes it so good is it's it's not just this practical like she needs to separate from him physically. It's it is established over the course of the episode that she is it, not just far away from him, but like the reason she can go far away is she's like, no, you're not a part of me in her head. Like this is not said directly, but you can sort of pretty clearly infer it. That she's like you're not a part of me like you are a different entity yes <laughs> entirely and that's and so I'm just gonna walk away and she refers to it with boreal she says like have you never met a woman with self-control like <laughs> she's controlling herself the whole time she's like gritting her teeth and just being like nope nope that's not my demon <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I it- I mean, like, that's that's the whole thing behind Miss Coulter, right, is the concept of, of control and maintaining mm-hmm. a very particular image for whoever she is talking to. Um, I and I think this is a great callback to, like, the scene where, you know, like, Boreal is giving Coulter clothes and she just, like, picks up the jeans. She's like, excuse me, <laughs> like,
0: jeans. <laughs> well, that's a great callback for the book, too, right? Because that's the... <laughs> some book fans were were a little annoyed that Lyra just wears pants without complaining. Yeah. And she she does complain in the book. She's like, girls don't wear pants? Yeah. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, right. And so like, yeah, like, Boyle just like hands her some like clothes, and she just looks through them, and she chooses a suit. Right, she just chooses a professional suit. Which, by the way, thank you very much to uh, all the fangirls out there. That's that was great. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like Coulter approaches fashion as an armor. She she approaches. Right. She has to be very specific about how she maintains her image, in, depending on who she's talking to, which is why. When she talks to Malone, it's such a surprise because number one, this is the first female character uh, that we've seen Miss Coulter talk to uh, in the show.
0: That's uh, is it? That's not true. Is, okay, I mean, talk to uh-oh. is a, a certain kind of word for torture. But, yes, uh, when she was torturing the witch.
1: <laughs> that's true. Okay. Well, in in a position of respect or yeah, yeah, uh, equalness. Um, Equality and she is astonished, right? That she's able to hold this conversation, this, this back and forth that's not necessarily a trade of information. She's not bargaining. She's not, she doesn't have to manipulate her way to talk to Malone, right? It's a simple conversation.
0: Mary's just nice.
1: Yeah. She's just, she's, <laughs> she's too just good nice. for this world. <laughs> like, it's it's just shocking to her um mm. and yeah no i i think i think that's all the more of like a reckoning uh for for culture that i'm excited to see more of as, as the season progresses
0: so i i will say on the on the point about the separating from the demon the firing of the chekhov's gun is this bit i i'm sure most people like specifically picked picked up on this i think it's pretty obvious in that scene like what's what's going on but She uh, when she's being attacked by Lyra, what makes it so scary is that she just gets up despite the fact that the monkeys being attacked and it's it's shot really, really well, where like she kind of like looks at him and then like looks away. And he, you get a moment where he's being attacked and he stops fending off Pan for a second or two to look at her. It's done really well because it's very quick. Yes. But it's obvious he's like pleading like, no, 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 don't leave me here. But it's all like there's nothing visual for it. You know what I mean? Like it's you just know from the body language that she is leaving him behind mentally. Yes. And he is feeling that, that he's being abandoned. And like that's why she can stand up. Is She's just like, oh, you're just attacking a monkey. That's not part of me. Right. And he is feeling like left behind by her.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because like, I think the way I parsed it was like similar, but more of like in in a similar way, like, oh, this is pain. Like, I can manage this. I can still control this. Am I being hurt? Yes. Like you can see that Miss Coulter does feel pretty anguished and and hurt. She's it's not like the pain has gone away. But it's like such an active part of suppression. And I think this is like the whole thing. Like she could lash out. She could easily probably fight back, but she doesn't. She like takes it in, and she just kind of lets it happen. Uh,
0: and I, I think, I think I, I, read it as the demon, as her abandoning the demon because of the way that he is like pleading with her in that scene. He's kind of like, no, 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 don't, right? Like, like because if she can block out the pain, she's blocking him out.
1: Yeah, it's like a mix of both to me, right? Like, I think, he, mm-hmm. I think she is like effectively blocking the pain out, and by, and to an extent, like him. But it's also like, I can hand, I, I can take this. I will take this. I'm not going to fight back. I am going to let this happen to me. And I'm going to stand up and just like try to communicate with my daughter here. Because uh, that is what I'm here to do. And that matters above all else.
0: It's pretty scary. It, I mean, I wouldn't exactly just say it is communicate because it's like you, you think Lyra's got her and she's just like, nope, no. <laughs> stands right back but up. But she,
1: does, she doesn't She does do anything. Like that's that's like the terror. That's true. It's terrifying right, right. and it's also very sad because it's like Miss mm-hmm. Coulter, wow, number one, can withstand a lot of inflicted pain. But number two, is so desperate to connect with her daughter that literally nothing else matters. Not even her own soul <laughs> matters. Like yeah. it's... It is a terrifying thought. It, it is what makes her, it is what makes Miss Coulter so powerful, right? Um, mm-hmm. And intimidating is she is literally willing to sacrifice her own humanity on a figurative and a symbolic and an actual like particular level to do what it takes to get like what she wants. Um, yeah. And,
0: and it's... Oh yeah, go ahead. To, to, uh, just to kind of sw- we're we're going long here. <laughs> so just to switch subjects a little bit. Uh, this does happen in parallel with a you know a scene that's I think not as thematically weighty, but I, I still enjoyed quite a lot, which is Will facing off against Boreal. And I I like that it's it has some parallel, right? Like the, the turning point of that scene is Boreal threatening Will's mother.
1: Oh yes, yes, and yeah, like it's we need to talk about Will because Will always deserves love and he's great. Um, I think
0: a, tr- a true best boy, a, a, r- Will. a real best boy.
1: Yeah, like. Well I think Will's really interesting in season two because when we saw him in season one he's he's very shy he's he's tr- still tr- struggling a lot with with how to work with his mother and what's expected from him at a boy of his age um and we've really seen him grow into this role of, of owning wielding the subtle knife being being the new knife owner and there's a sense of confidence uh and uh, like just knowing what needs to be done um which i don't think was necessarily there previously but with more and more interactions from from lyra he's really fit into this this mentality of look we are here to do these things i am terrified and, and you know the show does a great job of really showing how much pain and, and fear he's in uh, but i need to I, I will do what needs to be done and i am not Going to let myself be like rude, ruled in fear by by these people any longer.
0: He's he's also we talked about this last episode, but he's he's also got this thing where he is not immediately prone to violence, but once someone is threatened, then it, it the switch gets flipped, right? Because he is like his nature is a protector, mm-hmm. and so like he's got the knife, but he just kind of tries to threaten boreal and be like stay back stay back i have the knife and like what what turns it and makes him like slam boreal against the wall and hold up the knife to him is the threat against his mother like that's when will goes into that mode
1: yes and
0: which is the same as the fight with tulio yes in the in the previous episode where he is just kind of defending and he only fights back kind of like once once stuff gets really bad and once once kind of other people are threatened
1: exactly and i mean i think I think that kind of goes to show how like another huge part of this this season is uh, Will and Lyra's relationship, right? There, mm-hmm. I think this is also a season, and yes, the first part was a little heisty, um, but even then, we're really starting to see them get comfortable with each other. Like Will, Will is getting more confident in his role, um, but Lyra is also being able to kind of shed her tough facade and and give into vulnerability here. Be
0: kind of vulnerable, yeah. Um, and they're a team now, like they've been through this together, right? They got the knife, they got the alethiometer back. Like there's a real sense of warmth between them at the end.
1: Yeah, it's it's no longer just two people who happen to be in the same you know area and be in the right place at the right time. It's very much like a camaraderie or companionship. There's If there's something that needs to be done, they will consult each other. They'll talk to each other. Uh, and I think that's great. I think that this relationship growth feels organic and it's important Mm -hmm. that it feels organic.
0: Oh, they're doing... I I keep saying it. They are like doing a good job with it. And that was the number one thing I think every book fan was afraid of is that you botch the Will and Lyra dynamic. But it's really good. Yeah,
1: it's... And like, I think... I think it's really, it's interesting to point out that in many shows, like when you have uh, two child actors, um, yeah, there's... Yeah, the,
0: that's tough to get right. It's tough
1: to get right, right? And also, it's very particularly important that a lot of these gender roles are swapped here. Will is not like the confident shonen protagonist that like mm. you know oh to, boy
0: uh, <clears throat> this is not an anime podcast so uh shounen protagonist <laughs> is like a yeah like a kind of boys comic protagonist for anybody who's not an anime fan <laughs> uh
1: but he's not like yeah he's not super confident and like he knows what he's doing he's he's rather reserved he's rather shy he's very empathetic um, he mm-hmm. takes the time to really think through things and, and make it come to a decision. Lyra is like the more fast paced, like impulsive, kind of bratty, sarcastic, uh, yep. inquisitive girl. And despite that, despite also being children, they're really selling their their relationship. And I think that's great. I think especially now in, in the second season, having only, what, been introduced them for five episodes, they're, it's, it's really great to see them come together and work as a team.
0: For sure. We we do have to talk about uh, I guess I would say the the best girl, but I think Mrs. Coulter takes the the cake there. But uh, Mary, we get more Mary stuff. I love Mary. Keep saying it. She's she's great in the books, and I'm really liking like where this character is going in the show we get that phenomenal ending where she steps into another world. She's been sitting in front of a computer and now she is getting out there.
1: Yeah, right. I I think it's also fantastic that, you know, amongst all of these adults who... Or after something, chasing something, need to do something with a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. You have like Malone here who's just like going off on an adventure, trying to figure out this dark. Finally taking a
0: vacation. (laughs) Yeah, right. The most relatable (laughs) character, as I always say.
1: (laughs) Like like screw, screw work, you know. The fact that, you know, her research isn't getting funded properly. And you know, even though she's on the verge of a breakthrough. She's just like, no, I'm, I'm gonna go explore other worlds, uh, and
0: I, which she didn't know that was gonna happen, right? So she just, she went with it because she's, she takes a leap of faith, right? She, she is being talked to by angels, and I think this isn't really. I, I kind of would have liked it if maybe they, they said something more about this in the episode, mm-hmm. but it's clear that like the reason why she just listens to the talking computer and steps through this window. Is because there's still a little bit of that nun in there, right? Like an angel is telling her to do this, and there's a little bit of faith of like, these particles I've been trying to talk to are talking to me. Well, I'm gonna listen to them. I
1: think, and I think that's actually a great call out because that is actually something I feel she acted on after her discussion with Miss Coulter. Because there is there that mm. very specific scene where she's like, well, what made you transition, right? Like you, you were you're a scientist and you still have strong, like hold strongly onto your faith. And she's like, it motivates me in everything I do. And Miss Coulter is mm-hmm. like, or uh, Malone's like, wow, like, that's fascinating, right? As as a, as a woman who was religious, and that's a good point. Um, is is now you know research like that's that's a very interesting intersection, and I I, I do think part of her kind of acts upon that in, in choosing to follow mm-hmm. these angels' voices and and go to a who different she world. doesn't
0: know anything about, right? She doesn't know if they're good or bad, like what they're leading her to.
1: Yeah, yeah. As as you very well put it, it's a leap of faith, uh, a very mm-hmm. big leap of faith that takes her to a very different world.
0: Yeah, and there's more cryptic angel stuff here. They say uh they say you must play the serpent. Yes. And also that she will be protected, she says, protected from what? Uh which I I think the implication there is the specters, but we'll we'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the angel prophecy stuff is is pretty interesting, but yeah, I'm glad glad to see Malone take a vacation. Is it is it the best vacation? We'll see, but you know, <laughs> good good to take a yeah, break.
0: Well, Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not I'll say I don't love all of the stuff with the cave, actually. Like, I really liked the the vengeance drop in the previous episode. Uh, I think the they tried to make it kind of more cinematic by having like the kind of big booming talking computer voice and stuff. I think it it sometimes feels a little too convenient. Like I, I think my vision of it from the book is more like she's got to kind of work for it. But here it's like it just it just talks to be like, well, here's your marching orders.
1: Yeah, I I'm not a fan of the like the the voice. I know it's supposed to be like an engineered voice, mechanical sounding. But uh, yeah, the scenes the scenes with the cave are interesting, right? Like I really love the special effects of the dark matter. I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I, I feel like for, for the setup, the visual setup that we have, there could have been much more done with it. Um, like there's some really great lighting in this episode, right? Like when she, when the, the uh... And the cave shuts off, and it's like this red light, and she just kind of walks out. It's it's a great great visual uh, scene, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the actual voice itself and the interactions Malone has had with it are delivered in an interesting way.
0: I, but you're talking about the angel voice, right? Because because I yeah. think Simone Kirby does a really good job with those, like her sense of awe.
1: Yes, yes. At what she's
0: hearing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Like I I think Malone is like act, like acting the way she does. It's, it's perfectly on spot. Uh, but the voice itself just feels very—it uh, feels a little too mechanical and 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 grating, and just not the way I necessarily hmm. pictured it when I was reading the books. Uh,
0: well, I can say th- we will be hearing more from that actor <laughs> as as the show goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I angels, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, That's that's I'm very excited for people to find out what the heck is going on with that. And I'm excited to see how 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 they what they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How they depict what is coming for Angels, which is something something mysterious that show fans don't know yet.
1: It's it's yeah, for sure. I'm there's a lot of moving parts uh, in in this season. Um, And I'm very excited to see how some of it will be revealed, how maybe some of it will transition or be set up for the next season. Uh, but I think the momentum here is very good. I, I don't think the pace in here feels off. I don't feel like they've slowed down. I don't feel like they've sped up and have kind of rushed through things. So I think we're still moving at a very solid pace here.
0: Yeah. Uh, any quick thoughts on the Magisterium scene before we wrap up?
1: Uh, not necessarily. Like I, I'm surprised they're spending this much time on, on the concept of the Magisterium gaining power and, and consolidating and... That like in the the inner politics of of how this is all working out but i'm not against it
0: and i i think i see where they're going with it like i it's one of those things where i can tell what storylines they're setting up for mm-hmm. from the books and hopefully it works i mean so far They've actually done quite well with everything, everything that we've seen delivered on, I think, like they've like the new stuff they've added has tended to be actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of hoping for that and for the witches that like when they kind of get to more of the stuff from the book that it turns out like, oh, they were actually that actually worked. That was like a good setup Mm -hmm. for this book thing.
1: I mean, I've I've always appreciated the magisterium as like a world building aspect, so I am never against them kind of focusing on that. It's just more of this particular plot line of of Cardinal uh Card- or Cardinal McPhail, who's just yeah. I'm like, hmm, okay, I can I think I get where you're going with this, but it's been like two or three episodes, and you're like building this up in the side in the background, so like.
0: Right, that that's a problem the show has is too much building up, right? Which is why the past two episodes have been great because they have actual climaxes where things happen and it's not just building things up.
1: Yeah, I like I I don't mind spent like spending time focusing on this kind of stuff, but when when you play your cards too straightforwardly to s- suggest that like okay we're doing this is very much deliberate because we're doing something to get to X Y and Z as we kind of mentioned at the beginning of this this podcast episode, uh, it it doesn't feel as uh, well set up as it should be, as opposed to let letting these characters live in the moment, right? Letting them breathe in their scenes and, and mm-hmm. make the most of what they've been given,
0: um, which is... It doesn't help that the two most interesting people in the magisterium are gone. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I... I mean I do like MacPhail. I think there's some there's some interesting like for example I really love I absolutely love the setting of his room and how he prays. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that's such a great detail. Like that is that's is a very strong example of what I mean by like letting these characters live in the moment. Um, and letting them just i'm
0: i that's the part i ha- i have faith in mcphail as a character getting like getting more to do as we go on mm-hmm. so that that i think is gonna turn out pretty well hopefully
1: fingers crossed fingers crossed
0: yeah all right we we kind of hit the end of all the stuff we were going to talk about i agree with with you that like this season is is heading in a pretty good direction we've still got some pretty exciting stuff in the next two episodes the last two of this season uh based on what we know from the book but they keep surprising us with new cool stuff, so I'm hoping we get more <laughs> interesting additions.
1: Yeah, the show's been firing off on all cylinders with season two, so like I, mm-hmm. I'm confident that whatever direction they go in, they know what they're doing. They've been building a lot of great creative elements and, and putting them together, so um, I'm just as excited as you for, for the next two episodes.
0: So that's it for us. Uh, If you'd like to check out more episodes of Shadow Particles, the website is shadowparticles.club. Email me at shadowparticlespodcast at gmail.com and I'll read your questions and comments on the show. And you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and please leave some reviews. You can find me on Twitter at vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. And you are.
1: I am Ilogene. You can find me on Ilogene on Twitter or uh, part of my uh, blog where I sometimes write about anime and other anime related things at shibireu.wordpress.com.
0: I'll will I have a link to that? I'll think I'll try to add a link in the uh, in the show notes because nobody wants to, <laughs> to spell that.
1: <laughs> I was about to say. I was like, ah, oh, it's probably better. It's better to write out. It'll than be a to little announce. difficult.
0: Thanks for coming on the show, Natasha. I will see all of you in about a week with episode six.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, looking def- definitely looking forward to the climax of this season. <laughs>